Goats. Welcome to a special bonus episode of The Goat, Tom Brady. I'm Gary Myers, and this is bonus episode four. Will Tom Brady take the Lambeau Leap? My very special guests coming up in a little bit are Al Michaels and Peter King. But first, imagine this scene Sunday night in Green Bay. Tom Brady and the Bucks have just beaten Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the NFC Championship game in the greatest playoff quarterback matchup in the 101 years of the NFL. Brady is so excited he attempts the Lambeau Leap right into Super Bowl 55. Degree of difficulty, 10.0. If you remember Brady's performance at the scouting combine 21 years ago, you know he's got no shot to scale that wall. It's five foot 11 in the end zone and six foot two in the corners. Don't even ask about Brady's vertical leap. And without fans to grab and pull him up, it might be more of a challenge than actually beating Aaron Rodgers. Then again, there's no way to account for an adrenaline rush. Brady is one victory away from playing in another Super Bowl in his first year with the Bucks, a team that historically has been a bunch of misfits, the losingest team in sports history. Brady changed the culture and perception of that team in just four months. And if things fall into place for Brady and the Bucks on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field on Sunday night, then, one, the Bucks become the first team in the 55-year history of the Super Bowl to play the game on their home field. Two, Brady, in his 14th conference championship game, makes it to his 10th Super Bowl. And three, if he wins his seventh Super Bowl, it will give him three more than Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw, who are second among quarterbacks. Brady also has 32 playoff victories, exactly twice as many as Joe Montana. Aaron Rodgers, who many consider the most talented quarterback of all time, has 11 playoff victories, basically one-third of Brady's total. Will Brady's fairy tale season have a fairy tale finish? On this bonus episode of The Goat, Tom Brady, I'm going to bring in Al Michaels, the best play-by-play man not only in NFL history, but simply the best play-by-play man ever. And you'll hear from longtime journalist Peter King, who writes the must-read Football Morning in America column in his multi-platform role for NBC. This is going to be a fun episode. Michaels and King are great storytellers. And this is going to be a fun game. A game for the ages and for the aged. Brady and Rodgers are coming off elite regular seasons. Brady threw 40 touchdowns at the age of 43, the second most in his 21-year career. Rodgers is six years younger at 37, and his 48 touchdowns are the best in his 16-year career. These guys are playing great. Brady has been to nine Super Bowls, one six. He was nine and four in AFC title games in New England. And this is his ninth conference championship game in the last 10 years. The only year he missed was 2019, his final season in New England. 
Rodgers won the only Super Bowl he's played in, and this amazingly would be his first NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field as the Packers' starting quarterback. After winning his first conference title game in Chicago in 2010 and going on to win the Super Bowl, he's lost his last three NFC title games in Seattle, Atlanta, and last season in San Francisco. He's 11-8 in the playoffs. I'm going to take a minute to look back to last weekend before looking forward to the conference championship game. Brady likely ended Drew Brees' career in the Bucks' 30-20 victory over the Saints in the divisional round. Brady threw for just 199 yards and tossed a couple of touchdowns, but Tampa won this game with its defense, coming up with four turnovers and turning three of them into touchdowns. Brees was intercepted three times and had just 134 yards passing. Brady made up for losing to Brees twice during the regular season. And then he said farewell to Brees in a well-circulated video of them hanging out on the field after they emerged from the locker room following the game. In one touching sequence, Brady tossed a touchdown pass to Brees' son on the field at the Superdome. Brady's season continues, and Breeze is expected to head off into retirement and his new job in NBC. Now Tom steps up in class, trying to knock Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out of the playoffs. Al Michaels' Do You Believe in Miracles is the most famous call in sports broadcasting history. Al said it counting down the final seconds of the United States' incredible hockey victory over the Soviet Union in the 1980 Olympic semifinals in Lake Placid. The Bucks will not need a miracle to win this game, but they're going to have to play their best game of the season to beat Green Bay. From 1996 to 2005, I worked with Al as a consultant on Monday Night Football when it was on ABC. We exchanged ideas and information three times every Monday as Al prepared for the broadcast, and we've remained very good friends. Here's how I started the Brady Rogers conversation with him. All right, Al. So, what are your thoughts about you know Tom Brady? People call him the goat, and Aaron Rodgers, one of the most gifted quarterbacks of all time, and then meeting in a in an NFC Championship game in what could be, you know, the greatest playoff quarterback matchup of all time. Well, Brady truly is the GOAT. I mean, there's no question in my mind uh, what he's accomplished makes him the greatest of all time. And normally, you never want to say this guy is number one and that guy is number two. And I'm always uh, leery of, uh, of rankings, and I always talk about people being in the conversation. But in Tom's case, uh, you got to put him on top. I mean, uh, you've got some other great quarterbacks through the history of, of the sport, Joe Montana, Go all the way back to Otto Graham. People forget about Sid Luckman, Johnny Unitas, you name it. Uh, you can't, I don't think anybody can match up with Tom. In the meantime, you got Aaron Rodgers, who I, I love what he has done this year because having done uh, a, a recent game where he was facing Tennessee in week 16, and we were talking to him in our production meeting. And we had talked about the fact that they had drafted a quarterback in the first round when I'm sure Aaron was thinking about, can I get another receiver or 
alignment or somebody who might be able to help me instead of a guy who may succeed me sooner than later at that particular point you didn't know. And he said, I could have left or let negativity seep in. And I chose not to. And that was not a, a pleasant night for Aaron when he watched the draft that night and that came up and I asked him if he had gotten any advance notice or an inkling that that was going to happen. He said, not at all. So that had to be a, a shock to the system. Uh, he was able to survive that, as he told us, uh, with a, a quick trip to the pantry for, I think he described it as four fingers of tequila. I guess that's a measurement, that's a measurement for tequila. I don't know what it is, but maybe it sounded good. And, uh, and then he just turned it around and, and, and trained as, as, as hard as he's ever trained in an environment where you had to pretty much train by yourself uh, because of COVID, obviously, you didn't have the regular training camp. You didn't have the lead-ups to training camp. Uh, nothing was normal. And then to watch him this year, uh, he looks as confident as ever. I mean, he's just, he's a maestro out there. I mean, he is running the show. He's leading the orchestra. He is um, com in complete command. Uh, and you can tell that uh, they all feed off him in Green Bay. And it appears at this point, they've matched him up with the perfect coach because mm -hmm. you, you look at Lafleur's record to this point, it's pretty fantastic. So you've got the two of them together. You got them going against Brady. Uh, this is gangbusters. This is a uh, uh, top of the marquee stuff. I, I guess you, you got to put Tom slightly in front of him, but uh, you know, Tommy being a uh, hundred point type and Aaron's in 99. The Bucks beat the Packers 38 to 10 in week six this season after falling behind 10-0 in the first quarter. Tampa then scored 38 unanswered points, beginning with Jamel Dean's 32-yard interception return for a touchdown that changed the momentum early in the second quarter. It was the best game the Bucks played all season, although it wasn't Brady's best. It was the worst game the Packers played. And it was by far Rodgers' worst with no touchdowns and two interceptions. Brady had two touchdowns and no interceptions, but threw for only 166 yards. Rodgers threw for only 160 yards. Their combined 326 yards is usually a good game for one of them. Green Bay went on to earn the number one seed with a 13-3 record. The Bucs came in at number five as the number one wildcard team with an 11-5 record. The Packers eliminated the Rams last weekend, and Tampa beat the Saints after beating the Washington football team in the wildcard round. The Bucs have now won six straight games. The Packers have won seven in a row. Brady is the GOAT, but Rodgers is pretty damn good, too. Here's Peter King on Brady versus Rodgers. It's one of the best quarterback matchups in playoff history. I mean, there aren't many times where you're going to have two top 10 quarterbacks in NFL history play against each other, particularly now that Peyton Manning is retired. And look, if Brady hangs around long enough, he'll get to play all these guys a few more times. <laughs> but... But what I think is what I think is really really cool about it is that look, Aaron Rodgers arguably just had the best year of his life, or is in the middle of having the best year mm -hmm. of his life. 
He is happy. He is not sort of sending these, uh, you know, these these messages to the team that he doesn't like this, that, and the other thing. He, you know, he's just he's so happy and pleased and 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 excited about the future of his team. And I think it's a I think it's a very very cool thing that is happening with him right now. On the other side, you have Tom Brady, who, you know, having very little to do with his age, I think most people thought when he left New England and went somewhere, there was going to be a period of acclimation. And I think there was. And that period of acclimation was probably the first six or seven weeks of this season. Rodgers is coming off his best season that will surely earn him his third NFL MVP award. He threw a career-high 48 touchdowns with only five interceptions. As Al Michaels referred to earlier, Rodgers dealt with the initial disappointment of the Packers taking quarterback Jordan Love in the first round last April and turned that into positive energy. Here's Michaels again. And I mean, right now, I mean, nobody's playing better than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody. Tom's playing great. Uh, Tom's doing what he needs to do to win the game. Tom doesn't have to throw for 350 yards to win a game. He can throw for 199 or less and win the game. He knows how to do it. They feed off him much as the Packers feed off Aaron. So in the in the ultimate, yes, and that's why I say that, you know, Brady would be the GOAT because of not only what he's done, you can throw any number you want to put up there, but but six championships and who knows if he gets a seventh or not. That's going to be, I mean, that, that's unparalleled. And in today's world, with 32 teams, with a salary cap, with the turnovers and the changeovers and, and all of the crazy other stuff that goes on, that I can't, I can't ever imagine that being matched. And the other thing, look, with, with Tom, too, you have to, I mean, you really have to have as strong a brain and mind as, as, as possible to be able to go through what you have to go through to get to this point. I mean, it is a grind. Uh, and I know he's doing something that he loves. And so when they say, you know, if you, if you love what you do, you've never worked a day in your life. Well, yeah, that's easy to say mm-hmm. in a way. And I'm sure he, he loves doing it. He wants to continue to do it. But uh, it's, it's work. It's work. It's a grind. It's a full, full, full-time job. And it comes with the risk of injury as well. So that's why I put him as the best ever. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is the best there is at the, at the current time. And we'll have more with Al Michaels on the GOAT, Tom Brady, right after this. In Brady's final season in New England in 2019, he told Michaels before a game in Baltimore that he was the most unhappy 8-0 quarterback in football. Michaels did just one of Brady's games this year, the 38-3 blowout loss to the Saints in November. He and the NBC crew did a Zoom call with Brady before that game. I asked him, by comparing to how Brady was last year, if he seemed happier this season. Well, let me, let me just frame that quote from 2019. So they're 8-0. Uh, their defense is playing phenomenally well. And they went into Baltimore. And Tom kind of said that, 
with a little bit of a twinkle in his eye. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as if he came in and he said, oh, you know, I'm the unhappiest guy around and I want to get out of here. And that was the uh, the night when he came into that meeting in Baltimore where we talked about, I said, look, I know you're not going to answer this question right now, but I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think there's no chance that you're going to wind up in another uniform ever. In fact, I'm willing to give odds of 43,000 to one. I'm just making up a number. Uh-huh. And Tom sort of laughed and he didn't give us any real answer. And, you know, this is coming off the eight no thing and all, but it, it was more about, it was more about a little bit of kidding around than, than seriousness at that point. And that's when, when Tom left the room and one of our research people, Andy Freeland, who works very closely in particular with Chris, great guy. And he puts $2 down on the table. Uh, and I say, okay, I'm taking it. So I took the two, which of course is going to cost me 86000 at the end of the day, which I'm paying, <laughs> off, I'm, I'm paying off in increments of about $38. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, Brady, I didn't get, I, I did not get the sense, Gary, that, that Brady was going to necessarily leave, that he was really unhappy about things. And I think it had it, it was it was a very tough choice for him to make at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I think he maybe felt uh, a little fresh air at a certain particular at a, at a time in your life when hey, you know, the end is a lot closer than the the beginning or the middle. Uh, so in our meeting, in in regard to the question about how he seemed to us in that meeting, very similar to the way to the way Tom always was. I mean, Tom always uh, in our meetings through the years and. God knows we must have at least 40 to 50 of them. We've had them on that many times uh, through the seasons. Uh, Tom was always affable. Uh, rarely did he come in brooding or negative about things. He was. There were times when he was, you know, happier, lighter, brighter than other times. But for the most part, Tom was extremely affable. Uh, and he was during that meeting before the, uh, the New Orleans game. And then, of course... Uh, what I remember about that is the Saints killed him. That, that's the hardest game, obviously, for broadcasters. Mm-hmm, sure. At halftime, you're going to lose the audience, and now where are you going to go with this thing? And I remember thinking that, uh, you know, everybody's going to say that Tom's lost it, it's over. And sure enough, those stories come out the next day. You know, Brady's not Brady anymore, and he's not getting along with Bruce Arians, which I felt was a bunch of nonsense. I knew for a fact that wasn't true. And here we are. So we're at a point right now where, with Thomas, Tom, <laughs> look, there's no question. Tom had some poor games in in New England. It's not as if every game was sweetness and light and mm-hmm. roses. And never forget that game in Kansas City on a Monday night yeah, yeah. when he looked terrible, and they looked terrible. And that is the famed and fabled Belichick. We're on the Cincinnati. We're on the Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. Where that's all he said. In the uh, in the post game press conference, and sure enough, they were on the Cincinnati, uh, which they played. They played Cincinnati in Foxborough. We did that game on a Sunday night, and they killed them. Mm-hmm. And Tom was stopped again. Michaels was referring to the Patriots' forty-one to fourteen loss to the Chiefs in the fourth game of the two thousand and fourteen season. Bill Belichick benched Brady in the fourth quarter, and Jimmy Garoppolo played well enough in relief that Belichick was actually asked after the game if he was going to evaluate the quarterback position. The look on his face was priceless, and he just smirked. 
the Patriots beat the Bengals 43-17 in their next game for the first of six straight victories. And Brady won his fourth Super Bowl that season by defeating the Seahawks. After the Bucs were embarrassed by the Saints in their second meeting this season, they beat the Panthers and then lost back-to-back home games to the Rams and the Chiefs leading into their bye week. They were fighting to make the playoffs. Forget about any thoughts about the conference championship game. But they won their last four regular season games and now have won two playoff games. I continued my conversation with Peter King talking about how Brady and Rodgers' approach to the game is basically the same, and it requires a total buy-in by their teammates. Tom Brady just wears you down. He just he mm. just wears you down. And if you're going to do the work, he's going to be the guy who um, will make it all worthwhile. And, and look, Aaron Rodgers is exactly the same guy exactly the same guy and so i kind of look at it i think this is going to be a a really really fun game you know tom brady maybe find finding scotty miller aaron Rodgers finding alan lazard you know i mean Mm -hmm. it's just it's just kind of a cool a cool thing that even though there are a lot of stars in this game Devontae adams antonio brown rob gronkowski Brady just doesn't care. He doesn't care who he's throwing to. He's going to throw to the open guy. What about the January weather in Green Bay? Can the Bucks adapt? Brady spent five years at the University of Michigan and 20 years in New England. He saw plenty of snow and plenty of frigid days. And he has lots of experience playing in cold weather. And he has lots of experience playing in the snow. Remember the snowball game against the Raiders in the 2001 playoffs in Foxborough, better known as the tuck rule game? That was a blizzard. I don't think Brady will be impacted by the cold, even if he's been in the Florida warmth this winter. But what about his teammates? They may not all be from Florida, but they've been living, practicing, and playing there all season. The forecast for Sunday in Green Bay is a high of 28 degrees and a low of 18 with some snow. Not much wind is predicted. The Bucks definitely caught a break with the game scheduled for the early kickoff Sunday at 2 p.m. Central Time rather than 5.40 Central Time. I will never forget the 2007 NFC Championship game between the Giants and Packers at Lambeau Field. That game was in the late time slot. The temperature was minus one at kickoff with a wind chill of minus 23. New York coach Tom Coughlin's face looked like it had frozen over. But the Giants won that game and Eli Manning completely outplayed Brett Favre. Then again, the Giants are a Northeast team that was used to the cold. Brady addressed the likely frigid conditions the Bucks will face Sunday in Green Bay. He first mentioned the Bucs have to show mental toughness, which will be so important. Then he got on to the other challenges. Yeah, it's chilly, man. It's That's, that's uh, January football in Northeast, Midwest. And um, we'll be prepared. You know, the team that plays the best is going to win, not the team that is the coldest. Or, you know, we're going to have to go out there and play well. And um, we're going to be challenged. And it's going to be a great game. Here's Peter King. 
Lambeau Field is kind of like the Yankee Stadium of the NFL with all the mystique attached to it. And then, you know, the weather that we can anticipate in Green Bay. Um, one, uh, how difficult do you think it'll be for a, a Florida team to go up there in January and acclimate to those conditions? And, and two, is the mystique of Lambeau there without a full house? The second question is a great question. As far as the first question goes, look, the the biggest issue, I believe, for the Bucks is not going to be the fact that many of these guys have played very, very seldom um, when it's 24 degrees. As of today, as we record this, Gary, there might be snow there. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't really know. So very few guys, I mean, I'd like to ask the guy who really has become the leader of that defense, uh, Devin White, Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to find out, and it's crazy, I talked to him after uh, their game in New Orleans, I wish I had asked him, I don't know whether he's ever played in a snow game, he's from Louisiana, you know, he played in the SEC, so I doubt he, you know, and again, I don't know this, but Chances are many of those guys have never played in extreme cold before. You think that that would be a factor. In my opinion, a bigger factor is going to be footing. And the Packers, their veteran players are very used to playing in slippery conditions. Tom Brady is very used to playing in slippery conditions. I really don't think, unless it's windy, that it's going to bother Brady very much because he's done this mm-hmm. for 20 years. Right. You know, but as far as the other guys on the team, my my feeling is mostly it'll be footing. I would be surprised if many of them are, uh, uh, you know, if if they if they really don't play that well because of how cold it is. Mm-hmm. And then the mystique of Lambeau without the fans. I think there's less mystique, but I think the game in Buffalo against Baltimore showed us that fans can be a factor for the first time this year. I think fans were a factor in a football game Mm. in Buffalo when the Ravens got two consecutive false start penalties backed up right near their own goal line. Mm. Um, Why did that happen? I think part of it happened because those guys had trouble hearing. And so look, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal and a lot of guys will think, hey, it's cool. We're going and playing at Green Bay in January. It'll be fun for them. But I think it'll be less of a home field advantage because I doubt Brady's ever going to have to go to the silent snap count in this game. We'll be back with more of the GOAT, Tom Brady, right after this. Brady's place in NFL history is secure. He's the GOAT. Nobody will argue with that. It's likely no quarterback ever again wins six Super Bowl championships. Winning a seventh in his first year with the Bucs would be an incredible accomplishment. From a legacy standpoint, Rodgers has a lot more on the line. Despite his gaudy and incredible numbers over his career and his ability to make plays no other quarterback even thinks about, he's won just the one Super Bowl. I brought up the legacy issue to Peter King. Peter, let's talk about legacy for a second. Brady's legacy is secure, but obviously it adds one more level to this. If in his first year 
with the Tampa Bay Bucks of all team of all teams, he wins a Super Bowl. But on the other side, you have Aaron Rodgers, who is, you know, depending on where you want to put him in the top ten, could be in the top five of all time, only has that one Super Bowl victory. Right. So what do you as a, if you want to call this a legacy game, uh, how would you evaluate which each of these guys has on the line uh, Sunday? Honestly, I'm not sure Tom Brady has much legacy on the line. I think I think that anybody would say, anybody would say, Tom Brady getting to the final four of the NFL with a new team after playing in one place for two decades and throwing 40 touchdown passes at age 43 and getting his team to the final four, winning two playoff games on the road. Come on. You know, if he doesn't win on Sunday, I doubt anybody's going to think, oh boy, now I don't think that much of Brady anymore. Right. But I think with Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Packers rightfully so, should be clear favorites in this game. And there have been a lot of seasons that you thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to go farther than he actually went. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think about that, I just think back to the year that, you know, and I'm sure you remember it well. Uh, It's the year that uh, Green Bay went uh, 15-1. and Right, 2011. In 2011, yeah, and they go to the divisional game, and the Giants just wipe them out at Lambeau. I mean, it was the second time in four years that the Giants went to Lambeau and crushed the dreams first of Brett Favre in his last game as a Packer. And here, arguably the most disappointing loss of Aaron Rodgers' life. And, you know, so I think you look at it, and you, you say that this is, this is huge for Aaron Rodgers. How many chances do you get? How do you know next year if, you know, uh, some, you know, four key players get hurt in, well, what if, what happens to the 49ers happens to Green Bay next year? Mm-hmm. And they get some injuries and, 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 and then who knows? Who knows what happens? So my only point is when you get to this point, Gary, you remember this uh, because obviously you were you were deep into the coverage at that time. But even the first Super Bowl I ever covered was the Super Bowl after the '84 season. Mm-hmm. Palo Alto, California, San Francisco thirty-eight, Miami sixteen, and Miami that year was fourteen and two, I believe. Uh, you know, storm yeah. through the playoffs, just killed Pittsburgh in the championship game. And, you know, I remember thinking to myself when I flew out of San Francisco uh, the next day to fly home, I remember thinking to myself that, well, you know, that's the first of five or six that I'll cover, uh, five or six Super Bowls I cover with Dan Marino in them. He never got back. And so, uh, again, we can sit here and say that Aaron Rodgers, uh, oh, he's still got four or five years. And I'm sure he does. He takes great care of himself and all that. But 
when you get to be uh, 37 years old and you, you get to the final four, you have to be thinking, we better take advantage of this opportunity. We have no idea if we're ever going to get this far again in my career. Okay, so what's going to happen Sunday night? I went back to Al Michaels to get this answer. As usual, he was entertaining and informative. You know, trying to predict these games, Gary, that's why I laugh like crazy when I'm reading the couch and what they're going to do, and they got this number and that number and blah, 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 blah. And it fills a ton of airtime. It fills a lot of newspaper space. If I had to bet on football... I might be living under a freeway overpass. I don't know any more than anybody. I, look, I know a lot more than almost anybody because I have, I have the inside, I have the inside information and the contacts. But the reason I love sports is you don't know, and you got all these crazy things that can happen during the course of a game. And who in the world? I did the the Baltimore uh, Buffalo game the other night. Oh yeah, we went to the stadium going. You know what? Baltimore will be held to three points. Nobody knows. Yeah. I mean, it's it's impossible. All I know is that this should be a heck of a game. If you've got to give somebody a little bit of an edge, it goes to the Packers. Sure. That's where they play. They play at home. Um, but you know, it's and it's and, and going back to Rogers for a second, he told us another really interesting thing about playing in Green Bay. Uh, and, you know, everybody's saying, oh, the, the Packers are used to it and the other team is not, especially a team coming from Florida. And Aaron made the point, and it's so valid. He said, hey, we've got a lot of guys who grew up and played and lived in warm weather. And they come here, and believe me, it's as cold for them as it is for the other guys. Mm. But, but Aaron said, he always tells his guys, wrap your head around this. You know it's going to be this way. You gotta, you, you gotta just remember this is what the deal is here, and you know don't let it affect you. It can affect you. It's going to affect the other team. It has to to a degree, but you know he works very hard with all these guys, getting them to develop the right mindset about you know what. Let's make this an advantage for us. You're as cold as they are, but we can still make this our advantage. So without picking a winner, and I, I won't even ask you. Do you, do you think it's a high-scoring game? Do you think it's a defensive game? Do you think it's a close game? I, I see it as a close game, and I think it won't be fireworks. I see, I think defense, defense is so important at this time of year. I mean, why did the, why did the, the Bucks beat the Saints? Four turnovers. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did Buffalo beat Baltimore? Great defense and a 101-yard return. Uh, Kansas City's defense had to, uh, you know, knuckle down when they they needed it most in that game, and uh, and the Rams' defense, which was the reason they could have won that game, certainly more than what their offense could do. The Rams' defense didn't really have one of their better games. So I look at it when you know, I go back to the original question about do I, what do I see? Mm. I would see lower scoring. But I want to advise anybody who's listening to this, don't trust me on this. Don't just bet the under because Al said that. Because Al knows nothing more than you do. <laughs> Here's my prediction. This is going to be a great game. Cherish it. Brady versus Rodgers for the first time in the playoffs and perhaps the last time in the playoffs. Will Brady be taking the Lambeau leap 
back home to Tampa? Or will Rodgers be playing on Brady's home field in Tampa on February 7th in Super Bowl 55? I just get the feeling that in this very strange and unique NFL season played in the midst of a pandemic, that it'll be Tom Brady who makes some history with the Bucks becoming the first team to play the Super Bowl at home. I'm Gary Myers, and thanks so much for listening to bonus episode number four of The GOAT, Tom Brady. The GOAT, Tom Brady, is a production of Diversion Podcast in association with iHeartRadio. This season is written and hosted by me, Gary Myers. Executive producers Scott Waxman and Mark Francis for Diversion Podcast and Sean Titone for iHeartRadio. Story editing by Scott Waxman with editorial direction from John Tuttle. Editing, mixing, and sound design by Mark Francis. Archival research by Brianne Murphy. Verna Fields is our technical producer, and our director of marketing and business development is Jacob Bronstein. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. Find Diversion on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Diversion Pods. And let us know, what do you think of the show? Send us your questions, your comments, and even your critiques. That's Diversion Pods on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Diversion Podcasts.